Kovalchuk turns up the wick. Drop pass to Clifford. Clifford scores! <laughs> Double digits for the Colonel! This is an All the Kingsman post-game podcast. Kopitar fakes, circles, looks for a target. Dowdy, a pass to Brown, he scores! Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Just when I thought it was okay with whatever happened in the remaining games of the season, the Kings served up another pearl clutcher. Uh, Carlin Bathe, Dave Joseph, and Dennis Bernstein and Dave Pagnotta from the fourth period joined me after the game to talk about the emotional state of the LA Kings following yet another blowout at Staples Center. Never miss an episode by subscribing today. Subscription links and recent episodes can be found at lakings.com slash podcast. We are here, high above the ice in the Bob Miller Press Box at Staples Center. Uh, joining me tonight, Carlin Bath. How are you doing tonight, Carlin? I'm okay. Dave Joseph, how are you doing tonight, Dave? Also okay. And my personal nemesis, Dennis Bernstein. How are you doing, Dennis? I'm pristine, Jess. Thanks for having me on tonight. Put I'm the ready. fist down, Dennis. Put the fist I'm down. I'm ready, Jess. Let's go. Uh, and, and special, special guest, Dave Vagnotta. Exactly. Fourth period. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Good to and, good to be part of this. Yeah. Came here for the weather. Got a little bit of hockey, but not really. So uh the plan was to spend most of this episode talking about what a joy it's been watching Anshay Kopitar for a thousand games. My memories of that draft where Bobby Ryan wound up going to the Ducks and we got some kid from some country I'd never heard of. The special moment between Dave Taylor and Dustin Brown at center ice for the pregame Beautiful. ceremony is awesome. And then that game happened. We kind of got to talk about that game. Do because, we? Yeah, I think we do. Because <sighs> last episode, as Dave knows, I said that I'd essentially come to peace with this season. And that I sort of didn't care mm-hmm. about most of the drama. Like, frankly, the Kovalchuk thing at this point, I'm kind of bored with. You know, there's four games left. They're going yeah. pl- to play them or they won't. Right. It doesn't, like... Whatever. And they played him. Yeah, and they played him. So fine. And he had, a, he had a point. Yeah, that's right. And I don't even know how many minutes it was. I can't imagine it was that many. But let's talk. <laughs> uh, is this team falling apart <laughs> in ways that might drip into next season, Dave? No. Okay, good. <laughs> I, I think this season is kind of a wash at this point. Right. I would say it's play out the string. And then reboot and right. get ready for September. That, First of all, get ready for the draft lottery right for April 9th. April 9th. <laughs> yeah. And then get ready for the yeah, draft. Seven days from now. Yeah. After that. Yeah, and sure. then reboot in September. I, I'm not putting any stock into what we saw tonight or what happens for the remainder game. So the only reason I ask it that way is quick gets pulled. You start seeing on Twitter people saying that he didn't even approach the bench during the second period during TV timeouts and things right. like that. He stayed in his crease. He had to apparently be escorted by two teammates back to the bench at the end of the second period. Um, we know that he's had incidents of um, emotional outbursts towards the, the coaching staff in previous games. His uh, feelings were captured on air on the Calgary feed. You see the Dowdy quotes after the game where he says, honestly, I want to just play these four games back to back. I want this to be over. Mm-hmm. There was a shot of Brown in the in the penalty box late in the third period where he just looked like life had been taken out of him um carlin what was the what was the mood in the tunnels uh late in the third period it looked dicey well as a reporter what i can report on what everyone else can see Mm -hmm. so where i am in my room if you can hear it or see it from where you are or where you're watching at home i can say it 
Um, I think you could see the emotion on his face before he hit the tunnel. I think in some areas you can hear on a certain Canadian broadcast, mm-hmm. there's a clip. Um, it was intense, and that's that's all I will say from where I was sitting. But th- that is a very, you know, unhappy situation for him to be in, and he was very unhappy in that moment, and you could see it when he walked off of the ice. The circumstances are totally different. The position of the team is totally different. The point of the player's career is totally different. But, Dennis, did this remind you at all of, like, the, the Patrick Waugh moment in Montreal? No, because I don't expect this coach to be coaching in five sure. days. So I think that, but just with respect to let's write this off and this is to a point. The uh, the flip side of that, the negative part of this, Jess, is that there are players who's ever going to be here next year. This off season, they have to look in the mirror hard and and reexamine what they need to do to get back to their game. Like a Tyrell Toffoli, if Jeff Carter's here, if Quick was here, there are players here that have really underperformed. And they have to take a long, long look and, and rededicate themselves. So that's it. Now, a new coach who is a legitimate coach who uh, will structure this team better. They, I assume they can't play worse than this season. I'm assuming better things. There'll be an injection of talent. But the core players that are here really need to rededicate themselves. So I agree that you wouldn't write these two. And tonight was bad. It was bad not because they went through the motions, just because I looked at the other bench and I saw Giordano not there. And Kachuk not there. And they played five starters at Sat, who would be normally playing in an important game. To get dominated like that in the third period and basically not give an effort, um, it goes to what the coach is and it goes to the relationship of players to coach. But once that smoke is cleared and you have a new coach in place and you have different players in place, the core players really need to rededicate themselves because they have some of these guys on this team have not given they, – they've robbed the fans and I think the organization of full effort. And that's what they have to re-explore in the offseason. I saw somebody ask you, you know, how confident you and the mayor were that Quick would still uh, fetch a first-round pick. We talked last episode about uh, when the next, you know, Jack Jablonski wanted to know Mm -hmm. who's in net when the team finally reaches um, contention again. And Mm -hmm. my response was it it depends on what the market for Quick is in the offseason because if there's no market for him, well, then Jonathan Quick's your starter next year. I don't think he could do that. I, I think that he has to move on, uh, regardless of the return at this point in time. I think at this point in time, and you asked the question about a first-round pick, I think at the beginning of the season you would have got that. I think halfway through you would have got it. But now we're sitting on an 888 save percentage, and you're an opposing GM. You're going to say, I'm going to give you a first-round pick for these statistics, even though he's, a, I think, still a clutch goaltender in the postseason, and certainly the team in front of him has abandoned him. Uh, but I think at this point in time, you're looking at a second-round pick. You need to turn a page, Jess. Like, John's done great. He's a legend. His banner, his number will go up to the rafters when he retires. Um, they don't win championships without him, but it's time to turn the page. And Jack's got one more year in his contract, and Jack's 27, Jess. You know, we're talking about Jack um, Campbell, 25, and Cal Peterson, uh, so Jack's 27, Cal's 25. This is not 19, this is not Carter Hart here, right? That's the other issue. Is that John's 32, 33? I just think that that when you watch John out there and you watch his reactions, you have to control your emotions, even if you don't like the coach. Like you can't have you can't have that incident when he was screaming at him when he didn't challenge the goal in Calgary. You can't have those things happen, right? So I think it's time to turn the page. You get what you can get for him at the draft table, and you move to Jack and, and to Cal Peterson because I think it, this this generation of Kings as great as it was, and and we got reinforced tonight. Why, by the presentation of Dustin Brown and with Kobe raising his stick for the thousand, 
But this this 24 team is gone, Jess, and I think you really need to move on from these guys, including John Quick, because you have two capable goaltenders. I think you watch Jack Campbell play. Do you have any reason to think that Jack can't play 50 or 55 games next season and be the guy and then maybe Cal the, fir- the following year? Yeah. I just think that it's time to turn the page on some of these veterans and and start new uh, with a new with basically a, a different corner. And you've got another goaltender in Matthew Villalta who's playing for the right. Sioux Greyhounds who is not ready next year by no means. Not saying that, but in a, a few seasons from they now, have depth here, Jess. right? There's some goaltending that yeah. it's not like it was ten or fifteen years ago when there were no goaltenders in the pipeline. And you're saying. What's going to happen now? And they draft Jonathan Bernier, and then Jonathan right. Quick comes out of nowhere. It's not that situation. It's not Matthew and Barry Brust, right? It's <laughs> Correct. Like you have legitimate right. goaltenders here. I mean, exactly Cal's right. had a tough season. A little tough. The statistics aren't great. And in Ontario, the team isn't that good. But I think you have two competent goaltenders, athletic goaltenders who don't get hurt. It's the other thing with John is John gets hurt a lot now. So th- I just think at this point in time, you need to wave the flag on the, the core that was here. You, some guys you can move. Other guys you won't. But if you get a decent deal for Jonathan Quick, I think you move on and get the asset. It feels like Calgary has been one of the most successful antagonists of the Kings going back four years. Was it four years that the Kings missed and Calgary made in fourteen fifteen? I guess that was four yeah. seasons ago. And it seemed like every big game down the stretch, Calgary would win and every game the Kings would lose. And then you had the, um, you know, obviously Matthew Kachuk and Dowdy started up and – Dave, on the ice level, did it feel like Calgary was in their heads in this one? I mean, obviously, they we beat them last time, but... No. No? No. <laughs> no. It felt like it was completely disjointed. I from, agree with from, you. Even from the yeah. warm-up. Yeah. It was... It, and it didn't help that Calgary scratched five of their players. Maybe right. if Kuchuk is in the lineup, there's a little bit more heat in this game tonight. But I didn't feel any of that tonight. It felt like they were just kind of going through the motions from, from the start. Um, <laughs> not to say that the effort wasn't there, but it certainly didn't show up on the scoreboard tonight. I, di- I didn't feel like there was any heat or emotion going into this game at all i think it was the second goal that calgary scored there were so many of them it's hard to keep track <laughs> but there, there was a there was a player <clears throat> i don't think it's useful to single out which player but a certain player who watched the zone entry drifted back to the you know near the net then watched the play evolve behind the net and then watched it go and never raised a stick never mm-hmm reached out, never attempted to stop a play or break anything up. And then, look, Matt Roy, we all love Matt Roy, but he gave up the puck in the corner 13 seconds into the third period. I'm not entirely sure what Quick was supposed to do on that one, but I suppose he could have saved the day or something. Now, I have to confess, I missed two of the goals because when Calgary scored their fifth, I said, all right, well, I'm going to go to the bathroom and grab a drink. And in the three minutes that I was gone. Well, you missed two goals in 15 seconds. And I got a text from my father who asked legitimately if he – if I thought Quick had deliberately let the last one in, and I said I, I don't even well, know. No, but <laughs> I don't. But I, I wouldn't bet my life on it. I'll get but back to here's you. A, here's the thing, though: a, a lot of playing defense is effort. Yeah, right. It's effort. Like penalty kill is effort. Yeah. Playing defense is effort. When you don't get effort, you get seven two against a team that's at five guys. That's yeah. what happened tonight. And the other thing, and and I know you don't like to call players out. Six but guys. Six guys. <laughs> it was six. Oh. The other thing I want to get saying. here's a stunning statistic, Jess. That I, I looked at. And it was a graphic when they were when you were interviewing Drew after the game. Yeah, Drew Doughty has no even strength goals this year. Oh my! You believe that? No. He has seven goals. Seven. He has no even strength wow. goals this year. So you talk about a player who's getting a ten million dollars signing bonus on July one, and you need to rededicate your game. And, and look, Dave part of number it is, two is nodding his head over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and Kopitar has none on the power play, right? Or one? Yeah, maybe? that's and that, that's the that's there's your poll question. <laughs> yeah, which yeah. is worse, Kopitar no power play? Right. Drew Doughty no even strength goals. Mm. I mean, so you talk about recommitment to 
the entire organization, and especially Drew, because he's going to be the highest paid player next year. He's got a $10 million signing bonus on July 1. He has to be their best player next year, Jess, without question. You can talk about Copertor all you want and Brown. He has to be their best player. He has to lead the charge. I know people don't like plus minuses, but when you're sitting at minus 30, Jess, I mean, really, this this that should never approach that number with that player. He's too skilled. He's too and, – and, and he's really – he's the guy, if I'm looking at this team – that really needs to retedicate his game. I understand what's the circumstance of the team, but when I throw out statistics like that, no even strength goals, a minus 30 most of the second half of the season, that's not acceptable for yeah. me. When I, I would draw a comparison even to like a Nick Lidstrom, and you look at Nick, Nick Lidstrom's plus minus over his career, and I, I don't forget the number he finished at, but it's plus something ungodly. You, you wouldn't even believe it. And right. you, you would, I would think you would go back in Nick Lidstrom's career and you would never find a minus 30 right. ever. Not only that, but but go, think about the season, like anecdotally. Forget, throw out the plus minus, and I know there are geeks out there that don't like the number. I, I get to understand that. Give me the games where he was effective. I, there's too many games where he was just pedestrian and out there going through the motions. And I get it; the, these games were meaningless. But he's got uh, he's the emotional leader of this team. He's the guy yelling and screaming and banging his stick on the like, and, and to go through these games and saying, you know, what did you do tonight? I'm looking at the stride. I'm like, okay, he played 27 minutes. What did he do? Did he move the needle? To me, that's my biggest concern for this team. He tried to block Goudreau's goal. <laughs> he did have an assist. He went, he went yeah. down on the ice for yeah. it. Well, Meanwhile, so, that was some so shot by Johnny Goudreau. Let me introduce. Oh God, uh, that was a snipe. <clears throat> let me introduce the second. How much of this are you going to have to edit out? None. I don't edit. The only thing I edit out is uh, curse words okay. turn into funk guitar chords. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so a few weeks ago, I I introduced the notion of the difference between uh, pilots, passengers, and goofuses. Okay, that's great. Uh, as far it. as player types. Typical Jesse Cohn. Well, Let's go. So I'm, I'm going to introduce a second tier now. Okay. To the, so it's a totally different uh, scale, and that's your personality type, whether you're quiet and reserved like a Dustin Brown, right, you know, uh, lead by example kind of guy, or whether you're a Drew Doughty, you know, vocal, emotional, right? There's tons of clips on YouTube devoted to his laughter and his yips and his, you know, trash talking. Drawing and with on Drew. The, yeah, exactly, it. right? So the question is, is the chicken a bird? <laughs> it doesn't matter how many times I see that clip. I it's still great. can't it believe amazing. that Derek Forward doesn't know that the chickens are birds. But anyway, it has so, wings. So the question is, if your best player Funniest guy on the team, is the an emotional goofus, can can your team survive? Like if how many guys does it take to to balance that out? Right. Like how many Jarrett Stoles, Matt Greens mm-hmm. and and uh, and Rob Scuderi's does it take to rein in a guy who's incredibly emotional? Uh, yes, it, yes, Garland. I think it's a coach. It's I think he I think you're right. I think he he's a very coachable player. Yeah. Very, very coachable player. Like, look what he did during those two championship runs under under that coaching reign. It's mm-hmm. it's the coach. It's not any other teammate's responsibility. It also falls on Drew more than it does the coach, but he loves to be coached. You can tell. He feeds off of somebody who understands the game and understands his nuances of the game. He talked about how um, – Oh my gosh, I'm blanking. Our last coach would respect just John Stevens. John Stevens would respect the way that he defended and would remind him about it. The little the little things that he would do and the plays that maybe no one else would notice but would stand out. He would remind him. Drew needs that again, and I feel like he can have his goofuses <laughs> <laughs> moments. His goofus, what was it? Goofuses. Goofus, yeah. Goofus moments and show his passion, but also be under a trusting 
leadership here. I think he's just lost a little bit of the trust, maybe. Keep in mind, none of the coaches behind the Kings bench are defensemen, have ever played defense. Right. So I don't know if that means anything, but if you're looking for someone to kind of take the reins and lead by example, or here's what I did, or this is what worked for me when I played, he doesn't have that now. You've got a bunch of guys behind the bench who played forward. You know what I mean? There's no, yeah. one, there's no one to say this is the way it's done. This is what you need to learn from. And I think that's part of it. Yeah, I mean, to Dennis's point, like you asked when when I felt like Dowdy made a difference. I can't remember how you phrased it, but but when he influenced the game or whatever. Right. Um, I mean, my feel on his season is that for the first 25 games, he was almost trying too hard. There's a stretch of 10 games where Agreed. you can say like, Trying to do too much. Yeah, and, we and the about errors. That too, yeah, a lot on the and then I feel like as soon as that stretch ended, it wasn't just him, but that's when all of a sudden the conversations really started being: where's the effort? Where's the consistency? Where's the focus, et cetera, on in, throughout the lineup? And so that's where <laughs> the pilot passenger goofus thing comes in, where you go like: if the team doesn't have any pilots, or if it's got one or two, right? Obviously, everybody loves Dustin Brown, and he's you know thrown in a tremendous season, and Kyle Clifford's doing everything that Kyle. Clifford can possibly do but if you don't have anybody in the room who can who can channel that energy then you have you know the quote that we got tonight which is I just want this to be over I'm tired of losing the other thing that I've noticed as a bit of an outsider from, yeah. from the King side of things is um, if you're Drew Doughty and you're seeing guys like Jonathan Quick mm -hmm. the outbursts if you're seeing other guys that aren't as influential um, as they have been in the past, it's almost an acceptance. Right, it gives for, you permission. For him yeah. to, to go through those motions mm -hmm. um, without being held accountable. And it's a combination of, you know, not having as many of the guys like Greener and Stoll and, and those guys in the room, as well as the guys behind the bench. I think it's, I think it's, a, it's, it's almost a perfect storm that, that is surrounding Drew Doughty from the most negative possible way uh, that he could go through a season. And it's allowing that. I don't know if you guys have been, have been seeing some of that throughout the course of the season, but it's almost as if he's he's noticing what other guys are doing, yeah. and it's allowing him the excuse to go through his motions. I mean, part of the reason I wanted to, to address this game, even though the original plan was was not to, <laughs> um, was that during the first period there were moments, especially on the for the Brown goal, where they looked like the team that we all remember and love. You know, they were passing. I, I haven't seen two passes that long connect into a goal in a season or two. Um, and the Kovalchuk drop pass to Clifford was a great It was play. great, yeah. And, I mean, they, they I thought they looked pretty good, right? Yeah. I'm not surprised that they get down early in a game against Calgary at this point in the season, no matter how many guys are benched. But they fight back. It's 2-2. They're looking good. They seem to be excited. And then it turns into another Islanders game where all of a sudden yeah. it just falls completely apart and even though there are only so many games left on the schedule i had kind of i guess i got tricked by the wins against on the road yeah well and and beating chicago and you know and san Don't jose and the ducks no i know but but you put four or six of those together over a, a two-week period and no matter how bad and the they teams have are like eight eight and two or something like <laughs> yeah that. there's been some good efforts and and some resiliency and some good offense actually they, they've been better offensively but back to Drew. Drew's going to be 30 years old in December. Yeah. Right? So, and, and here's the other. This is why, Jess, this is such a critical offseason. The next five to seven years for this organization is going to be determined what happens this offseason. Right? Drew's 30 years old. And, and the problem is, and you mentioned Stoley, and you mentioned Willie Mitchell, and you mentioned Justin, who you ever want to mention, Matt Green. Like, 
this team's going to be younger next year. I hope so. That, that leadership that he needs to, to close ranks with isn't going to be around to support him. So, and I've always written, I don't want to extinguish his, his fire, right? That fire, he needs to win and compete. I get that. But sometimes he's got to draw back and be cool. He's, got, he's not cool. He's got to be cool sometimes. And when, when we use the word composed on composed, this podcast, exactly. <laughs> so when you don't throw, you know, when you get a roughing penalty in Calgary, you don't throw your stick in the stands, right. right? So that that's the part that, and I assume this is going to be an established coach who's coaching the NHL next time. I think he, he's got to, that's the first guy he's got to sit down with. So it's going to be difficult for Drew if he doesn't, and I'm not going to say mature, but he needs to have a different type of leadership next year. And, you know, you look at the other guy who was here on this team and, you know, there's no leadership there, to be frank. I saw some of that from Drew, though, when we were talking about maybe he was trying too hard at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. He listens to writers and knows that, you know, people are saying stuff like that or whatever. Yep. So I think he became aware of that and then turned it into like, a, OK, I'm going to turn this leadership into like real, real leadership type of role. And I feel like we saw that from him from where I was sitting, at least on the bench, like you could hear him coaching through a power play or, or trying to be like say things when people are passing through the neutral zone like he right. was one of the most vocal people until they all realized the position that they were in and where they were in the standings and where how they weren't coming back I up get that. so I, understand I, that. I feel like he does have that in him he just needs the right environment well i think i mean you i don't remember who said it but but after the quick explosion after getting pulled somebody's response was well you know he cares right at the very least Right. You know, you've got one guy on the roster that that is embarrassed and cares and doesn't like this. We spent 20 minutes discussing my concerns about the team. Let's try and address some of the positives or or the thing that I'm actually now completely fascinated by, which is the power play. Mm. Um, I saw them do the one three one again. I I love it. I'm sorry. I can't help it. (laughs) Although they do do this weird thing where Carter, like you mentioned, does drop down. Yeah, and they put two guys in yeah, front of the, and then the Yeah, and then the wingers sort of drift back, and yep. it does become sort of a modified umbrella. It yep. almost feels like they're running two forms, and then they'll just it's cut like right, a shift. Yeah, and then they'll yeah. cut right back to the one three one. Carlin, do, you, do they talk about it? Do you see it? Do you notice it? Or am I just weirdly obsessed with this thing that almost never happens during the game? No, I think I think they <laughs> noticed it. I think it's talked about. They're always trying to work on it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I... <laughs> Our place just a mystery. <laughs> it's one of the biggest mysteries, I feel like, of among other things of the season. But no, I, I don't know. It's it's noticed. Well, I love it, Dave. You, yeah. Do you love it? I don't know. They were zero for three tonight, so I can't love it too much. But it, I'm not concerned with these. You're not. Don't, it, don't trouble me with details. Doesn't matter if it worked. It was still cool. <laughs> All of the goals were even strength tonight. So what does that All, tell? Yeah, you? every one of every them. Goal was every even goal. Every goal. Seven even strength goals. Jesse, and, who's missing from the power play though in the last? Seven or eight games. Well, I mean, according to Dave, it's Ilya Kovalchuk. But I saw him out there. He took, <laughs> he he took one shot. No, he took a an, couple. I saw a, another one. There's another player missing from the first unit power play. Uh, well, let me see. I saw the unit out there that I saw was Colin. Uh, uh, you're going to have to come. Okay, I'll give oh, you. Was a, it Brown? No, no, no. no what? He was there. He didn't play no, in the first. No, 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 he played no, in the, the second unit. Se- six or seven games. Um, MOT. Let me give you a little hint. MOT, no. Number 14. Uh, Upper body. Brendan Leipzig. Brendan Leipzig. Upper body. Yeah, he hasn't been on the power play. I wouldn't say he's missing it, Bob. Um, it's a <laughs> well, office space joke for he's, those. He's, he's not stationed in front of the net at 5'7", 160 not, pounds. He's not stationed right? anywhere. On exactly. It. So that maybe has something to do with it. That maybe there's oh, I see. more it looks capable good. players on the power play. Don't say that to Carlin. I'm not going <laughs> to. So Brendan Leipzig. <laughs> I won't. 
I won't. No, it's all right. No, he's, he's not. He's injured. <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, he's not here. We're, he's, he's not injured, but no, he's, he's he, no, he's it's a. He's not on the power play, and the power play got better. Because he's not. Oh, because he's not. Okay. <laughs> yeah, probably better players then. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but let's talk about Andre Kopitar. Okay. Okay. Because a thousand games. Impressive. The year that he was drafted, two thousand five. Yeah, which was the weird draft. Because of the lockout. Yes. Where yes. where they took, what, every team's record over the previous yeah, five right. seasons or something like that and averaged it out. Sidney right. Crosby. And I remember that year, I tweeted about this earlier, Bobby Ryan goes to the Ducks, Jack Johnson goes to the Hurricanes. Kings. I don't remember. I think Benoit Puglio's in there. Yep. Uh, I forget who Columbus took, but um, oh, doesn't matter because he's not as right. good as Kopitar. Right. But uh, if you go Best back, Slovenian player ever. Yeah, absolutely. In the NHL. Yeah. But if you go back and look at the stats, he's the second leading scorer behind Crosby. He's the first guy to reach a thousand games from that draft class. Jack Johnson came and went through LA. Bobby Ryan, despite multiple promises from your buddy there, uh, Dennis, never, never played in never. LA. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> close. Yeah, I'm, I'm very close, but not quite. LA adjacent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, if it was if this were baseball, he'd have played in L.A. <laughs> Carey um, Price was the fifth overall pick. There you go. But who did Columbus Gilbert take? Gilbert Brule. Good, that was it. Gilbert yeah, Brule. Gilbert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Jack Skilly and Devin Suodaguchi. Yeah. Yikes. Even Jack Skilly's mom doesn't know who Jack Skilly is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Former Blackhawks. <laughs> but uh, Carlin, yeah. you've been here for the breadth of Kopitar's career. How What's much up? fun has it been to watch him go from a, a fresh-faced kid from a country nobody ever heard of to the captain of the Kings? It's no insane. offense to our Slovenian listeners. I'm we all love Slovenia. It's beautiful. Exactly. We love it. Especially and, this time of year. Yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful. You should check it out. It's on the Mediterranean. It's next to Italy. I it's been an amazing time. I've been in and around the King since 2008. Mm-hmm. And it's honestly insane. It's insane because he's literally grown up in front of all of our eyes from the bleach blonde weird hair to, <laughs> to the gentleman that he is now and we talked about this i interviewed him for the broadcast today for pregame and i was like you became a two-time champion you became a husband you became a father like literally everything in front of our eyes i think that's the most impressive part and a leader you know it's a thousand games is insane to even play one game in the national hockey league is a miracle for anyone and to have that kind of longevity and the, I don't know, all those accomplishments like in his career, it's it's pretty awesome. Two time Selkie, Lady Bing, Hart nominee, like mm-hmm. it's just it's literally mind boggling, and, and all for one team. And he owns the uh, inaugural champion of uh, the Bark Madness competition. So. Can't take that away. Goose no, That's right. You can't. Take but it's I've just, had the, I've had the pleasure of calling every one of his home goals since he's. It's heartwarming. Two thousand thirteen. Yeah. yeah. I've seen every one of his home games here. Every I haven't missed a home game since he's been here. Nice. It's it doesn't matter. Like if if his first game in the league hadn't happened, it wouldn't have changed anything about his career. But for those of us who believe in hockey gods or magic or legacy or or any of those things, the fact that he came out and scored that goal in his first game against Jaguar. Right, in London. Beat, it beats Prong, right? Skates around Prong. Yeah. Highlight real goal. Beats Jaguar. Yeah. And, and then OD. that was it. And then OD never. the other defense. Yeah. <laughs> is that right? I didn't yeah. know. And then that's it, right? Never looks back. A thousand games later, like you said, two Stanley Cup rings, two Selkie trophies, the whole the whole rigmarole. He'll have a. Two kids, a 
That's right. Dude. <laughs> he'll have a he'll have a his jersey retired. I, are they going to do statues for individual statues for the guys or I no? Would, I would think so. Even though they've already got a 50th anniversary, I mean that's a weird one, but it's a promotional so. opportunity. Well, that's so. true. That's true. Can you tell me what number uh, Kopitar wore before he wore 11? No. <laughs> oh, a little trivia question there. Was it like a 57 or something? It was in the 50s, yeah. 53? 58. 52. Oh, all right. Kopi wore 52. When did he wear a regular 52. season? Uh, no. I think it's preseason. Preseason. Yeah. 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 Strange, huh? That, yeah. A little trivia question for that. I like that one. Didn't always wear 11. Let's see if Dennis can get the one I asked you last time. Oh. Who who are the two players drafted deepest in the draft to have a thousand career points? Mm. Oh, deepest in the draft. Yeah, go way deep. That's right. Luke Robitaille. Yeah, that he's was, he's second second to. I was going to guess he's that. Second um, drafted one seventy one overall. Um, Henrik Zetterberg. No, but that is. That was my first guess was Zetterberg and Datsuk, but it's neither of them. It's neither one. I can't get the other one. Dave Taylor. Really? Yeah. Fifteenth yeah, round draft. Fifteenth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't even have fifteen I mean, there rounds were, anymore. Yeah, there were no teams back then, <laughs> right, so exactly. they'd go three guys deep, and then it was a new round. But, uh, but yeah, pretty Luke, impressive. Yeah, that's right. So, what do we got here? Wow, we're half an hour in, and I, I don't know. I'm about where I was. I thought where I thought we were going to be at the beginning of this, which is like, what do you guys want? to Can talk I just about? say how great was it to see Dave Taylor here tonight? It was great, and it was a really I mean, nice moment. A really nice moment. Yeah. I mean, for a guy who played his entire career here. 1111 games and then to see him come out in his jersey and yeah. congratulate Dustin on passing his record it's incredible and let's be real those two banners that are up here well it has to do with Dave Taylor it sure yeah. does so yeah. as much as you want to, and, it sure and does I'm not disrespecting what Dean Darrell here did but when you look go back in Al Murray in, in yep. scouting right you know they picked Kopitar they picked Brown they got John Quick in the third round yep. so uh, I'm glad to your point I'm glad he was out there in the Kings jersey to help honor Dustin. I, I think was going right to say, it's pretty serendipitous that he was here tonight, too, on Kopitar's 1,000th game because he was part of bringing him yep. over here. He Although, goes, so there's a kid from Slovenia that I'm told I, we should look at. I've got to kind of pull the curtain back a little bit. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. No. It was actually Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> when Nick said to Dave, uh, you know, uh, Dave Joseph, back here at Staples Center again. Like, so good to see you back here. Dave Taylor. Dave, Dave Taylor. Taylor, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking right at you, so I said Dave Joseph. <laughs> Always good to Dave see you at Staples, but Dave Taylor, yeah. But that's kind of my point is that I see Dave Taylor at Staples Center all the time. But yes. not like he's that. Busy. No, not I understand. Like no, I know, that. but I'm just saying, like, they make it sound as if Dave he's... works for the St. Louis Blues. No, let it be, let it, let's I make know. that clear. So I he's got him, I saw him like a reason to be here. Yeah. yeah. Well, but not not in that <laughs> no, setting. No, I know. I just it's always hockey find theater. it funny. Hockey theater. That's right. Every time we post a sketch no. for St. Louis, it's Dave Taylor. And that's why, but that's why I say pull the curtain back a little bit. Just, you know, a little behind the scenes thing. So now I have one of my dumb questions. And I'll start with you, Carly. Okay. The talk now is that even if the Kings don't win the first overall pick, that mm-hmm. they'll attempt to dra- trade up to get it. Mm-hmm. My my official position is I don't like it. <laughs> because let's say they wind up winning the fourth pick or the third pick. Mm-hmm. In order to trade up to the first, they're going to have to presumably give up that pick. Mm-hmm. And no team's just going to swap first for third. So you're going to have to give them something mm-hmm. to make it worth their time. But whatever that is, it's going to have value. Is it? I think. To us? To end, Just in general, right? Otherwise, it wouldn't convince the team to make the trade. Mm-hmm. Right? So let's say Col- let's say Ottawa wins the first overall pick. Colorado gets it because of the trade. Mm-hmm. Let's say Colorado makes the playoffs. They get dummied in the first round. 
uh, Varlamov says, I'm out of here. I'm mm-hmm. not re-signing here. So now they need a goalie. Mm-hmm. And the Kings say, all right, we'll give you the, you know, the third overall pick and Jonathan Quick to give us the number one pick. Jonathan Quick has some trade value. Yeah. Maybe not what we once thought it was, but but presumably there would be number one some value. value to convince that team to make that trade. I'm just, this is hypothetical. Okay. My point is, are we so sure that Jack Hughes is worth whatever you could get in the third overall pick and what it's going to take to sweeten the pot to make that move? Or are we being seduced by a name? And I will use the Lindros trade as an example, mm-hmm. right? Like, you can like Lindros's career in Philadelphia all you want, but that trade handed two Stanley Cups to the Quebec Nordiques. Right. It was a massive trade. We yeah. Peter Forsberg, Mike Reed. I mean, yeah, sure. So my question is. But it wouldn't be that type of trade, but go ahead. No, I, yeah. I grant you that. But would you make the trade or would you rather just have the third and use your assets to acquire more pieces? I'm a psychopath and okay. I should never be a GM of a team. <laughs> That's fine. And I love to gamble. Yeah. On, the Edmonton not, Oilers have dined out on psychopath GMs for decades, so you're in good I've company. I've been GMing this whole time if we want to pull back the curtain. <laughs> but I feel like I would do the, cr- the crazy move and, and take the gamble and go for it. Like, I'm I'm putting all my chips on the table. I'm that type of person. I'm mm. impulsive. <laughs> like personally, I don't think it's that crazy because we were just talking about the value. Dennis was kind of going on about what does Jonathan Quick pre- present to us essentially right now or in the next few years. And if that is true, then why not pull the trigger? Well, that's just hypothetical. But I mean, right. what, whatever you whatever you use to convince the team to make the trade is going to have. I like going crazy. Value. I would I would do that. But then you're also taking a gamble on Jack Hughes, big time, because I've have we heard like is is it conflicting reports on him? What? Not from what I've heard. No, it's all he's we're the, all he's 100%. the number one. The, the conflicting n- report is that is, some places have Kako. Ahead of him now, so, right? That's what I'm like. It, it's but, not. I'll let but, you finish. But, but Kako is the number now. two pick. Yeah, Jack Hughes is the number is unquestioned number two. Th- those of two course, are the top two. Right. Of course, I'm just saying. Like, is it like a hundred percent? Like, for like, I don't know. You know, Dave. Well, building off of what Dennis said, I I would think that if you can move one asset or several assets, which may that may be what it takes in order to get that number one well, pick. Well, it will be. I mean, you're not going to do a one-for-one swap. Right, but I mean, if you have to include several players from the current roster, mm-hmm. if it's anyone other than your youth who you're building with or a Kopitar, Brown... But what if it is? Gonna... What if it takes... Right. What if it takes Kupari and the fourth overall to get the number one overall? All right. Yeah, I'm not so sure on that. I'm not so sure on that. <laughs> so here's the thing. I'm not okay. so sure. I'll let here's Dennis my take I'm not it. so sure on that. And And... So here's the thing. Big picture. Uh-huh. I would not be shocked if they went all in and tried to get the first overall pick if they don't win the first overall pick to pick Jack Hughes. I think they love Jack Hughes. Right. That's the player they want. Now, depends on a lot of things, Jess. If they don't win, mm-hmm. how far do they fall? Right now, they're the two. They could fall to the five. Right. Five to one is a much better, bigger tax than two to one. Right. Well, that, but that's so what I'm. Yeah, two to one. Two to one right. is a smaller tax. Sure. And depends on the team that wins it. If it's not Colorado, if it's another team. I don't know who it could be. Um, it could be at literally anybody. It could be anybody, right? And that maybe is set at center, and they would take Kako, right? And then, so you you have to understand who's that number one pick and how far they fall. But I would not be shocked if Rob went in and said, 
what's it going to take to get the, the first overall pick? Now, if you know that Kako's going to go first and you can move to second and get that pick and Jack Hughes to second, yeah, but I don't think we're underwriting Jack Hughes. I, I understand he mean he's not Connor McDavid, and he's not Austin Matthews, but he might be a better Patrick Kane. And how do you pass up on that? Because here's the thing. If you had the choice and you pick Kako, and I know there are fans out there that want Kako and Kapari, Fins together playing, I get it. Everything's wonderful in the world, right? If you if you pass on the next Patrick Kane, like how is that going to look three or four years from now? You can't afford that because he, if they did, and Jess, if they get the first overall pick, they have to pick Jack Hughes. The optics that will not allow that to happen. I think they like him that much that they would be considering that they may go all in, couple some assets, and say we need Jack Hughes because then you go Kopitar, Hughes, Anderson, Dolan. You could move. Kapari to the middle, Velarde, if we all hope and pray tonight and say a novena, he comes back, he could go in the middle. I think that's, again, that's going back to Dean Lombardi, and where do you build from? You build from the middle. And so I, I think that they might explore, even if they got to five, getting to the one or the two or wherever that position is, go get Jack Hughes. My only counter would be the way that you live down passing up on the next uh, Patrick Kane is win. And if – winning for me i i would just rather hold on to as many assets as possible like if in 2008 all right well here's my counterpoint like let's say let's say in 2008 the kings had gotten the third overall pick and not Mm -hmm. the second right and so they wouldn't have gotten dowdy at second and they said okay we'll trade you dustin brown and the third overall pick for steven stamkos does this team win a stanley cup like i don't think so no so i mean that's my fear is that is that they'll be giving up an, a valuable piece in order to get okay. a guy that maybe isn't as you know everybody says it's Hughes and Kako and then nobody yeah. but last year I didn't hear anybody case, saying I think it's probably Dylan Cousins well or, or that Byram uh, I never defenseman. remember yeah you're not gonna pick a defenseman at three but but the point is every draft there's oh it's this guy and that guy and nobody else and then there's somebody taken in the late well, first round or a guy taken say- in the second round or a guy taken in the sixth round like there's guys yeah. So your point is, I don't want to give up assets. But uh, my point back to you is, who's untouchable on these te- on this team? Nobody. Right? Is Rasmus Kupari untouchable to get Jack Hughes? No, but my argument would be neither is Jack Hughes. I, I think the front office might have some different ideas. Well, I'm sure they do. <laughs> right? So, so I'm, I'm saying to you that you're not – look, Kopitar and, and, and Dowdy are going nowhere. They wouldn't be in that deal. But anybody else, you'd have to look at longer. If, you, if, if they like him that much – like, I would explore any other move. You could use your the, the Leafs draft pick, the first round pick, and and uh, and frankly, I'd be fine with that right. if, it, if it was just we'll give you our our you know the fifth and the seventeenth or whatever it is I, for the first. Then yeah, okay, I'm not saying anything. Even if it's the even if the like yeah. let's say they wind up fifth and the trade is the fifth and Velarde for the first overall. Yep. Okay, great. But if it is a Lindros deal, that's my fear. And obviously, it won't I don't be. think it's multiple No, no, because that'll be. No, uh, I, I don't think that you don't do that anymore. Anyway. No, uh, salary cap no, no, consideration I, uh, stuff like that. But and that's why I know it won't but, be. But if it's something, if it's three guys, for example, I think my salient point is that mm. I would not be surprised if this team went all in and wound up securing Jack Hughes. If, if it came to the point we're sitting in Vancouver on the twenty first of June and they announce his name or in the trade or something like that, it wouldn't shock me at all. I hope Jack Hughes is the next Patrick Kane. You don't think that they would move assets from the current roster in order to make that happen? I think they would explore a lot of different things. I don't think it would only be futures. It, depend, it depends on the team and the needs are, Dave. It's a, it, right. it, it's a star player. 
you're getting you're getting a potential superstar player that's already deemed a star player Correct. to automatically jump into the NHL next season. So that's how you have to value it right off the bat. All 31 teams in the National Hockey League view him as NHL caliber ready Calder contender for next season in Jack Hughes. So that's that that's what you're buying. Anything beyond that is gravy, and what you're giving up if it, if it blows up in your face and it's an Alexander Degg, you know, situation, a, a, a Nail Yakupov situation, <laughs> you know, you hope that's not the case, and, and it certainly isn't trending in that direction. But that that's the price that that's the price you give up. And it's Los Angeles, and you like stars. And just last time I checked, if you watch that Vancouver game, his brother skating around the ice. Yeah, that kid's pretty good. Right, this guy's better, and he's so, better than his brother. He's better than his brother. <laughs> right. So so that that's my point is that I could see a circumstance where. Jack Hughes could be here next season, and that's all I want. Look at what look what Elias Pettersson has done in Vancouver. That's my point. He was the fifth overall pick. That's that's kind of what I was saying too. When I was like, is he like? Does it have to be? I know, but if he's, we we're, get talking, first, we're talking we're talking about the number him, one pick like, overall. No, I so you're looking at how good Pettersson is, who was taken fifth, that's, right? So yeah. Jack Hughes is probably going right. to be a better player. Am I wrong? You, I'm going to give you a homework assignment. Go <laughs> home and watch the videos of Jack Hughes with the development. Team. Yes, of course he's good. That's what I'm saying. Of course he's, he's great. Not, but yeah. if we get if we get any, he's b- dominant. Yeah, against if- a bunch of eighteen-year-olds in the development program. <laughs> okay, you're going to get a great. No, no, you're going to get a good player and, at five. And, and, and let me let me be real clear about this. I'm not saying Jack Hughes isn't good. I'm just saying it's all somewhat of a crapshoot with eighteen-year-olds playing against other eighteen-year-olds. I'm just saying there's at somewhere we're not mad about one through five. <laughs> well, somewhere there's a spectrum. Of, right. of value that you wouldn't give up let's do to it this acquire. Way. What's your value? What, oh, let's do this way, Jess. What's your overpayment to go to the one or two to get Jackie? And, you, and you're taking Dowdy and Kopitar. I'll, I'll say exactly what you said, which is it depends on the team and it depends on the, the pick needs. A, but pick a team and their needs. For example, I would be, if it's a player that you already know that you want to get rid of, right? Mm-hmm. Like, let's say it's, in your case, Jonathan Quick. I'm mm-hmm. not saying it, you're saying okay, it. Okay, right. If it is the scenario that I laid out, and that it's Colorado and Farlamov mm-hmm. gets shelled in the playoffs and he moves on and they say we want a goalie and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And the package is honestly, let's say the Kings wind up with fifth, and it's fifth and quick for Hughes. Then in my mind... Done. Yes, because the fifth and the first wash, and so what you're really doing is you're trading quick for Jack Hughes. So, okay, lovely. Fifth, I have zero problem with that. And Toronto's pick? No. Okay. And the reason, no. And, and this is okay. It, yeah, is because there's two costs that you're trading in that scenario. You're trading the cost of the player, right? You could trade quick and get something else, correct? Right. Otherwise, so there's value yes, in right. that, but you're also trading. So you're, there's the opportunity cost of losing quick, but there's also just the the what's the word? The decreasing number of prospects in your own pool, right? Like I understand that Jack Hughes is a 95% sure winner. Mm-hmm. But he's still 95, and whoever you take fifth overall is 87% guaranteed. And whoever you take with the Toronto pick is 83% guaranteed or whatever. So the point is you're turning three opportunities to draft a player into two. And even though you're increasing your odds of getting the next Patrick Kane, you're still giving up a lottery ticket. And and I'm just never convinced Unless it's Connor McDavid or Sidney Crosby, and you look at Connor McDavid, Connor McDavid is not like Connor McDavid is lovely, but would you trade three players to get Connor McDavid? No, I wouldn't. The lottery ticket is next year's first round pick. That's where I would draw the line because this team stands a very good chance of not making the playoffs yeah. next season, right? So because I could say, okay, give me um, your second and next year's first, 
No. For Jack Hughes. Right? That that's that's Wait, where I would draw the line. Uh, 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 <laughs> Maybe. Okay. See so that He's thinking about it. He's thinking about it. <laughs> Everybody has a price. That's and so the question just is where is theirs and what's too yeah. much and and but, look, but there again, is no answer to this because we won't know. I think they love this years. guy and I think that they would make a substantial trade to get him to get the rights to him. And that's why I'm asking this because I think it. I think you're right. I mean, the rather I'll be shocked if they don't. Yeah, if they don't make it a, a big well, we've splash. Heard from, we've heard from multiple people, season ticket holders, that the front office is giving this seminar to season ticket holders, right. and one of the pitches is. Jack Hughes. We're going for Jack Hughes. And and although I roll my eyes every time I hear the phrase, L.A. loves a star, um, I put that in the locker right next to Kovalchuk's Kids Love Disneyland of, of, of things that I just don't <laughs> care about. Um, but but I even though it doesn't mean anything to me, I concede that it means something to other people. As silly as a phrase, I think well, it is. It given is. what we saw on the ice tonight, they really need a star here. <laughs> no, I know, but... Th- but that that impacts Jess, because but you know what? To who? Because I'll tell <laughs> who you this. Who is L.A., and how do they how do they the show fans, their love you know for what? a star? I want to give the fans a shout-out here, because you know what? At a game tonight, that meant nothing other than Dustin Brown being celebrated and Kobe... It's a decent... There's still decent crowds here. Fans are still showing up. It's not... It's not Florida. It's not. It's not Arizona. It's not Arizona. Well, Breaking Arizona's news: sold out. Dennis Bernstein doesn't think Anze Kopitar's thousandth game is worth anything. No, he stuck. He Uh-oh. skated around and raised his stick. I didn't say. No. You can ask. No, Kopitar but I know what you're saying. But, no, but so I, I at, at some point in time, there's going to be. I mean, if you're saying that, like, I agree with you that you can roll your eyes about star players, but you got to give these reasons of fans a reason to show up next season. If you're gonna, if you've committed and said it's going to be enough test season next season. You got ticket renewals, right? You got to create some excitement around this team. That's a surefire way to create excitement. Look at look at what the Lakers did, and they've done nothing for how many years now? And they go out and they, they get the best player in the game in LeBron James. And what happens? Season tickets through the roof. Can't get a ticket to a Lakers game. And they don't make the playoffs. How, how but they've many, got but they've got star power in LeBron James. Does that not move the needle? How that many, moves the needle. How Why did the Lakers the, go and get LeBron James? That's the reason they went out and got him because they couldn't. They couldn't not do it. How many of the 16,005? No, no, no. Jack no, no, Hughes. No, no, no. This is why I roll my eyes at the LA Loves to Start. How many of the 16,005 at the Forum were empty during Wayne Gretzky's last two seasons in LA? But how many were full when he got here? Yeah, but Jack Hughes ain't Wayne Gretzky. Like, he might be someday, but no, Dave, you were trying it, it, to jump in there. Yeah, the other thing that, that, factors, that factors in here is the addition of Hughes – or the addition of the number one pick mm-hmm. significantly accelerates your your retool, rebuild, whatever you want to call it. That that's that's happening. So instead of drafting third, fourth, fifth overall, which you know usually those players are going to take one more season, two more seasons before they are full time players in the National Hockey League, it accelerates your 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 growth spurt uh, that you're going through. So. If, if Hughes is there next season and you're banking on guys like Kupari or, you know, Anderson Dolan and so on and so on, being a part of this this retool that's happening, the addition of, of Jack Hughes allows you to put your pedal, you know, put the pedal to the metal a little bit a little bit quicker and build that chemistry right off the bat with these younger kids. So that's that's another thing to factor in and yeah. how much you want to pay for that. And, and why accelerates it is important is because, Jess, Let's look at the standings and look at these teams that are fighting for play position. Don't, and I know there are guys in the room that believe that they're not any worse than Arizona or Minnesota. I don't think they're any worse right? than exactly. Arizona so, or Minnesota. So you get you get that player, it accelerates it back. And I agree with you. I, they're not going to be aggressive in the in the offseason free agency, as I understand it. 
But could they bounce back and get to 85 points and be in the mix for next season? They absolutely could. And that would accelerate it. So I, I get it. They're trying to manage expectations for next season and say we're going for it in 2021. But that, again, would accelerate it and give more heat around the team. If you're also if you're also ridding yourself of, I'll put it in quotes, bad apples on the team, doesn't that accelerate it even more? If you can move a couple of pieces that, that maybe aren't fitting here so much? Let me jump in real quick. That accelerates it even more. I'm not more. saying if they got the first overall, overall pick, they should trade it away because I, <laughs> I'm afraid no, of adding talented players no. to this team. I'm just saying, I'm. I see Tavares in Toronto, mm -hmm. and I see McDavid in Edmonton, and I see, to a lesser degree, uh, what's happening in LA happen in Chicago, right? Where mm -hmm. you get these you, one or two players, and you think to yourself, "Aha! Now we've got it. We've got it all sorted out. We have this one player, and it doesn't matter what, how many other assets, or where they slot in, or how much cap space, mm -hmm. or blah." And I understand that right. young draft pick doesn't affect the cap hit or whatever. But I'm just saying, at some point, it's still a team game. Right. And you, I'd still personally rather have three B players than one A-plus player. Because B players, maybe they're not as hard to find as A-plus players, but they're harder to find than C, D, and E players. And the league's chock full of C. There's 31 teams now. Uh, you know, Tobias Reeder <laughs> hasn't scored a goal all season. And the CEO of the team, right, basically... It's his no. fault. Yeah, which is goofy, but the point is, right, they're, they're you know, guys are bumped off of teams, you know, to your point and your point, right? We've got Sherback and Leipzig who are in this league because they couldn't hang with yeah. five other teams before them, and now they're on this team, and this team's terrible, and so they're putting points up. So there are tons of guys out there. So if I have an opportunity to hold on to three B players instead of trading them for one crack at an A-plus player, you see what Edmonton's doing with their one A-plus – if I'm Edmonton and I have it all to do over again, maybe I, I mean, as, as stupid as an insane this may sound, maybe I do trade the Connor McDavid for, for assets that you know are, are going to be not, well, I'm, I'm, this is hyperbole. I don't really mean that. But. Well, here's the, here's the other thing with a lot of teams. And even, even when in, in 2012 and 2014, when Brownie and, and Kopi and Drew were a lot younger, they brought in those veteran pieces. Mm-hmm. To be part of it. Same thing with the Pittsburgh Penguins when Sidney Crosby and Malkin were young. They brought in Mark Recchi and Gary Roberts and those guys to 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 support them. You bring in a guy like Jack Hughes now and the other guys, you've got that immediately. You've got Kopey here. You've got Dustin. You've got Drew. You've got the guys that have already won that are still capable of continuing something in a few years once the team gets back on track. You can pass that on to the kid right off the bat. You're passing that on right away. Edmonton doesn't have that. Exactly. Edmonton no, has Connor McDavid, and they don't have any other pieces. I, I agree There's nobody there. there that's one. No, no, I agree with that. My point they is – They don't have a Kopitar, and, and again, a Brown, uh, This a is Dowdy. not me saying they shouldn't We don't draft. have to go out and get a stole and a green. And a, you know, I, I'm not right. saying they shouldn't draft Jack Hughes. I'm just saying if the price is other – like let's say the price is Kupari and, uh, and Anderson Dolan. Or let's just say it's Anderson Dolan. Let's say the Kings finish fifth, and whoever gets the first pick says we will absolutely not <laughs> <No>. trade <laughs> – but but the point is you have to draw the line somewhere. Not that one. And that's my that's my only question is where is that no, line? No, I agree with you on the price, but yeah, it, it's him. just again it, it's it's a tease. And look, just you could go back to to in June and May and July, and what hems have they trade for Pacioretty and they signed Jeff Skinner? We having the same conversation right now? Nope. Does and, and look kind at kind of my and, point. Yeah. Well, 
But <laughs> and look at the what, team. What that, if Jack Eustern's into Max Pacioretty and the asking price is the same thing? Like, do you do it? Well, and I'll go back to the team that eliminated them that, that were very close to, and they lost four one-goal games to him in the playoffs. They added Pacioretty, they added Mark Stone, and they added Stasny. Look where they are right now. They could go to the cup final again. So Aren't it, they in third not, place? They're in third place, but yeah. but they're they're better. Let's not crown them yet. I wouldn't want to play them. I wouldn't want to play them in the playoffs. No, but I look. San Jose. This team shouldn't want to play anybody in the playoffs. I'm pointing to the ice for those at home. Yeah, but I'm saying it's not that far a leap. No, and Dave's point is that it's not that like if use was here, it's not that far a leap. It's not that far leap anyway. No, I and look if they do it, let's say that let's say about cost. I get it. No, no, if they let's say the cost is ten first round draft picks. And they do it, and Jack Hughes is here, and we don't have a first-round draft for the next 10 years. Yeah. The next day, I will be sitting here talking about what a steal Jack Hughes was and how who cares about future draft picks because you can get him back in a second. Right. And I won't be doing it because the front office tells me to. Right. I'll be doing it because I'm an idiot and I love the Kings and whatever they do, yeah. I instinctively start to talk myself into. So, <laughs> I get it. Way to go, Jess. <laughs> um, hey, I, you know, I am. You bleed black and I am so what bad. I am. I can't help it. <laughs> it's okay. Um, let's talk about this game again real quick. <laughs> Do Yay. we have to? <laughs> yeah, Carlin, play oh, of the game. Please. Oh, play of the game? Yeah. Oh. It better be from the first period. It has to be from <laughs> yeah. the first period. Looking at all my papers. First You've really period. got two to choose from. Oh, oh, my God. You go first. I'll go. Okay, all go right. first. Let me marinate I'll, in it. I'll go, and I voted this guy for the Masterton first and not Jack Campbell. To see Carl Glifford get 10 goals this season and redo his game to still become an effective player in the NHL, that warmed my heart. Yep. I think that was a fantastic – I know Cliffy, he's, he's dedicated this game. He's taken a lot of hits and a lot of blood on this, for this team over the years. To see him get the 10 goals at career high, to get double digits, first time in his career for me, that was priceless. Yeah, I agree. And his coming off the bench and going for it type of uh, speed. He just put the Jets on. Like, it, it was great. It was and great. And his kids saying the Ducks suck on the uh, – Beautiful oh, Teddy fantastic. Talks. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah a beautiful, beautiful Teddy Talks feature. Was, I agree. Was Clifford Goal. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'll go, I'll, I'm it's say anonymous. The, I'm, no, it's not. Oh. Because I'm going to say the, the Brown Goal because the passing on that was just – Cross-eyes pass. I haven't seen that in a long <laughs> Old time. Old school. Vintage yeah, Kings. That's right. So, uh, we got to go. So, uh, oh, Dave, Dave, player of the game. Dave, Two mics. Dave P. Uh, I can't say quick in his outburst. Sure you can. <laughs> Absolutely. Because I like that emotion. I want right. to see that emotion. I'm going to go right. with that. All right. Let's go with that. Uh, Not bad. Player of the game. Player of the game? Oh, man, you guys. Dave? <laughs> uh, Ilya Kovalchuk, assist right. in his first game go. back in the lineup and showing the coaches he can still play at his advanced age. Uh, Ilya Kovalchuk gets my vote for player of the game. Is I like it a Kings player Yeah, of that's game? what I was just going to say. Does uh, it have to be from the Kings? Yes. Okay. But it doesn't have to be a player. It could be Because if not, I'm taking be, Mark Jankowski from the Flames. It could Flames. be Patrick no, O'Neill. No, 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 it could be whoever no. you want. Um, I know he went out with an injury. If that, that hit on Bennett oh, by McDermott. Right. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. Ooh. I'll take Curtis McDermott. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, that hit hurt. I think that guy's me. still trying to get up. Yeah. That yeah, hurt. Did you see him when he got hit? Yeah. That hurt my He was and trying to get him back from a concussion. Oh, was it? No. Well, he's not coming back for a while. Oh, no. He couldn't get to a knee for about. Yeah. 15 seconks, he and then he got to a knee and didn't know where he was. It was a little bit late, but it wasn't dirty. It was just a, a freight train coming out of a, a smaller guy. He's just guy. a big guy, He's yeah. A big guy. little He's tip from your Uncle Dave. Keep your head yeah, up exactly. when Curtis McDermott yeah. is on. Yeah, yeah. Keep just a your big head up. Guy. Oh, man. A uh, player of the game. Clifford, why not? I like it. Let's do AFP. it. Yeah, I'll jump on that train. All right, I'll go for it, too. <laughs> I suppose we should look up how many minutes he played, but. 
I'm not good. Hey, what, does it, what does it matter at this point? Everybody's doesn't... minutes were pretty well distributed tonight. It's a novel concept. I, no, it looks. It just looks a little bit different than normal. You know. Go fig. Everybody's right. in the double. Di- no. 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 I'm guessing Amadio's under ten minutes. April Fools. <laughs> Amadio's got to be under ten minutes. Yeah. No. no, I really thought for a second. All right, I'm that's gonna. At, I'm looking at the event summary. For oh, there we go. <laughs> the first period, second period. That. Twelve minutes for Amadio. Oh. All wow. right. It's it really, really no, is everybody is in the double digits except for Play double what right? he played last game. That's yeah, right. no. <laughs> Everyone is the double digits. All right, that's going to wrap it up. Yeah. I for, ate all the skills. Good move, for, for Dennis Bernstein, Dave Joseph, Dave Pagnota, Carlin Bath, I am Jesse Cohen. Thanks for listening, Kings Thanks, fans. Thanks, guys. We'll probably talk to you soon. Let's hope so. Yeah, we'll talk to you.